We also are doing more like pre-order exclusive kinds of products that we could bring in like collectibles. Good example of that was with Xbox. There was a Master Chief Halo 20th anniversary Funko Pop um, that we had on the shop and it was in pre-order and we sold out almost immediately. I think it was on the first day. You're listening to Ideas Fulfilled by Printful Enterprise with your host, Ilza. Today, we're joined by Robin, Vice President of Client Services at Snowcommerce. Robin has more than 15 years of experience in online retail with high-profile brands in entertainment, gaming, sporting, and lifestyle industries. Welcome, Robin. It's really great to have you here. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I know we had an episode with um, the director of Snowcommerce some time ago, but for those listeners who didn't catch that one, what is Snowcommerce? What do you do? Yeah, we're a full-service e-commerce company that focuses in on enterprise brands, and uh, we're based in Cincinnati, Ohio. We mainly support the verticals of entertainment, gaming, sports, and lifestyle brands. I've been with Snow for about eleven years now, and uh, I was actually the first hire. So, oh wow, that's from, great! Uh, yeah, it's been quite a ride, and. Um, Went from, you know, sort of being a little bit more of everyone that came in at, at first was more of a generalist. And now we've gotten to the place as we've grown and we've started to focus in on enterprise where we have all the divisions that now are going in depth and supporting each of the areas of service that we bring to market. And uh, how big is Snow Commerce now? You were the first hire, but how many colleagues do you have now? We have about 110 on the snow side. And then now, of course, we're part of Printful, so yeah. much larger. <laughs> and you mentioned that you do support for brands. Like, what does it entail? What sort of support do you provide brands with? The areas that I uh, manage are program management, marketing and merchandising. And then we have the areas of creative services and professional services and product design. So those are pretty much the areas that service the client. The program managers that um, report into me are the primary contacts with the client. So they're meeting with the clients regularly. They're working through marketing calendars, which are really a key component of our programs. They outline with the brands, the not only the evergreen holidays that we would be promoting, but also the key brand dates that we want to make sure are incorporated into the program and keeping track of when new season premieres might be happening or gaming drops or new uh, sporting season might be coming out. Because that's really, if we align to those things, that's going to be the most beneficial to us. So they work on those calendars, and then they work with the creative team to develop the banners and all the merchandising for the site. They're going to go along with those campaigns. Mm -hmm. And then the marketing team come, comes in and executes around all of those components. So there's an email marketing team and a paid marketing team. So the email marketing team obviously is getting all the email marketing out the door, setting up auto flows and things like that. And then the paid side takes the paid marketing budget and divvies that up amongst channels and figures out how to use that um, to the best of their ability. And then the merchandising team works on developing the product for the program. So they're working really closely with our product design team, as well as with our uh, counterparts on the printful side in the product mm -hmm. uh, development area, so that we're making sure we're putting together the best portfolios for the different IP that we're trying to support. Basically, your team does the grand scheme, how everything is going to look, yeah? Yeah. And, and personally, client satisfaction and running these programs profitably is really part of what I'm challenged to do. So, What do you think 
makes clients satisfied? What what's what are the key components? Obviously, revenue comes in is the easy one. Right. But what else? <laughs> I think that making sure that we're balancing the brand's initiatives with our e-commerce focus. So sometimes there's scenarios where you have to make uh, or adapt to support things for the brand that might not feel like they're going to drive the maximum amount of revenue, but it's really important to them to have representation for different shows and things that might not be the best sellers. So, you know, it's the delicate balance, I think, between that, making sure we're being sensitive to their needs around just supporting their fandom while at the same time keeping in mind how we think the driving the revenue can happen the best. And what does it mean for your team? Like they have to be experts in basically everything, no? Well, you know, and when we started, that really was the case. You felt like you had to understand everything. As we've been trying to scale and grow, having those separate divisions is helpful. We do pull in team members as needed to have the right conversations if you have to get really in depth in a topic. But especially my program management team does very much have to be a generalist. They're, they're sort of task managers, but they're touching all parts of the organization. Mm. So they have to have a real uh, well-rounded knowledge of e-commerce. That's great. Not not an easy thing to do, I think, when so much things are happening on e-commerce. <laughs> It's very true. So how does it look? If I own a brand that really needs some help, we go to you and... Where do you start the process from? Do you get to know the brand better or how, how does it usually happen? Yeah, brand immersion is very important. You know, we try and I try very much to align people with things that they are gravitate towards naturally. I think that that's helpful if you can do that. But otherwise, a lot of research is involved as well. Developing real relationships with the clients. You know, we like to think of our, ourselves as extensions of their staff almost. I think we all have the same goals. You know, you really think about the core pieces of e-commerce, which for one is getting the traffic to the sites. So we try to engage with the brand, finding every which way we can to drive traffic. So a lot of times we need their uh, support in, you know, having links to the site from their content sites or supporting with their email marketing if we don't have a subscriber list when we're first starting a new program mm -hmm. or, um you know, using their social channels to allow us to either do our paid social or their, they do organic posts for us. So a lot of it is getting the right engagement on their side to really create a successful program. We have a lot of the core pieces that we, um, you know, always know that we can implement. But if if you really want to be, get beyond, you know, an initial stage of growth to a to really a robust program, I'd say you need a good client engagement as well. On your website, you can see that you've partnered with some really great names like uh, HBO, Xbox, Minecraft. Those are some heavy lifters, so to speak. Why do you think these big names choose to work with Snowcomers? What makes your company special? Well, I think that we've adapted through time to hear, listen to what the brands, the enterprise brands in particular, really need and want. And we've tried to add the services to support them. So I know one of the great things about um, the acquisition for Printful is being able to support more of a global market. And this is something that I don't think is uh, has been done very well in the past. So I think we have a lot of opportunity on that front. Also, you know, they don't typically have people in-house to, you know, do marketing, do product development, do. So it's really the fact that I think we're able to have sort of the full circle of 
support for the brand to drive these programs that is very uh, valuable to them. And uh, since there are a lot of new things happening in the e-commerce area all the time, do you feel that brands are coming to you saying, hey, we want to try that? Or do you have to talk them into trying new things more? I think that as we've had um, bigger and bigger clients, that there has to be a lot more conversations and pushing into new areas, especially as, you know, with the entertainment side of things, streaming services are so important now. And So typically you might've had a link on the content site, but if you're not in the streaming service where people are actually watching the programs and they can drive back to the shop, I mean, that's really where the, where we want to be. Same with gaming, you know, if you can get in-game support to be able to drive to the shops, that's huge. We've gotten into more going even to events or other places where the fans are living so that we can try to bring the product to them or use our point of sale systems and things like that to be able to continue to drive more revenue to the shops. Have you ever had the moment when you're just walking on the street and there's someone with a product that you've developed? Yep, that happens quite often. <laughs> Must feel very good. It does. And uh, have you noticed any sort of unifying pain points or challenges that these uh, brands that come to you have? Well, I don't know if it's their pain point or our pain point is a lot of the times, you know, we're very dependent on their content to drive people's interest and engagement. So sometimes like right now, there's the writer's strike going on. And so show seasons are getting moved. So things that we were planning on to drive revenue this year now might be shifted into a different year. Or, um, you know, happened during COVID too, where this, you know, sports season might not end up happening that you thought was going to happen. So you've got to get creative and find different ways to deal with those things as they've happened. I think too, that the very high quality expectations for the brands. So, you know, we do lean into on-demand manufacturing for a lot of our portfolio. Um, so making sure that's consistent and great is really important to them. And there's a, you know, usually a pretty good approval process that's in place for even just getting the designs approved as well as the products. So I think that's a challenge. And then um, I think the third thing would be competition. So Some of the best IP we have already has a lot of product out in either big box retail or in other e-commerce sites. And we are competing against that and then also counterfeit. You know, So if other people see things trending and things happening in the market, there tends to be a lot of things that pop up that are you know, maybe at a lower price point than what we could even offer. And it can sometimes be a challenge and you're constantly chasing to get those taken down. And you mentioned that uh, you often use on-demand uh, production model for the merchandise. Do you feel that the attitude towards print-on-demand has changed over from the companies over the years or it's still pretty much a little bit suspicious? For one thing, the the variety of product has definitely changed. I know when I started working with on-demand, you know, you basically had your mugs and your t-shirts and your hoodies. And now just the amount of product that's offered is really um, pretty wonderful and allows for a much more premium looking experience than what you could have had you know, five, six years ago, even their perception about on demand. I think it just, you know, it depends. I think the more times they see the product and they, they really can appreciate the level of quality that is involved there. I think there is a little bit of people still thinking about screen printing and comparing the two. And we know the printing for DTG is a little different than uh, what, you know, is presented with on demand. But I do think we haven't seen where the customers really have those same concerns. So, you know, once you get through those uh, initial approvals with the client, then you're usually in pretty good shape. Have you noticed any sort of 
misconceptions that uh, your customers have about e-commerce in general? Are people still reluctant to build in the online environment? No, not at all. I think that um, you know the COVID period really accelerated e-commerce and made it made so many people just pop into the space. So where you know we were one of the few players that really did this. I feel like there's a lot more competition in that sense of people uh, or even clients thinking they might want to run their own programs and things like that. So I, I really don't see that there's any resistance to e-commerce. Um, it's more an acceleration than anything. What was it like for Snowcomers during COVID? Did you feel that there's like a sudden influx of customers? Oh yeah, we had a ton of growth during that period, and you know it was strange because you had to bring on a lot of staff, and you were bringing them on in a remote environment for the yeah. most part. We had always been 100 in in office. So as a manager, that was a bit of a challenge too, of you know sort of changing how you train people and trying to scale the way we were during that time. Um, but I mean, it was it was thrilling. The sales actually were so strong during that period. And we had a very strong multi-vendor network where we had you know some product that had been produced by licensees or that we had uh, produced ourselves. And then also our on-demand network, which was pretty extent- extensive. So where some online retailers got shut down because they didn't have the ability to get the product at the door, we had enough diversity where we were able to actually still have a really strong showing during that period. And uh, you mentioned licensing. And could you tell for the listeners who perhaps don't know, what 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 does it even mean, licensing industry? What How do you interact with it? Most of the brands we work with are the licensors for the brand. So they own the IP rights. And then they grant them to people to create product. So we're a licensee for pretty much every brand that we work with in the entertainment and gaming space. But they give those same licenses to other companies to be able to produce products. So, you know, the product that you see in a Walmart or a Target or something like that, that's all licensed product if it has um, like game branding or show branding with it. So you have to contractually you know, work that out before you're able to produce that product. And that's who you're usually getting approvals from as well is, um, you know, all the artwork and things that we're putting on the product, the product blanks, that's all going through the licensor. As the VP of client services, obviously, you get to work with a lot of really great customers. Is there a success story that you can share? You don't have to name names if you can't, obviously, but just... An example where Snowcomers has provided some great solutions for brands. So like I was thinking about um, Yellowstone is a TV series that's on, we represent on the Paramount shop. And then um, Ted Lasso is on the WB shop. And both of these I have, I think have similarities. They both took off very big in terms of their fan base. And um, we saw a great success in um, the sales for those programs. But I think what made them so successful is that, at least for us, was that there wasn't a lot of licensed product available for those shows when we really took them on and leaned into um, getting a, a good product assortment up. There was also certain as seen on components. So things that people were wearing in the shows that were very merchandisable. So we tried our best to create those products and lean into that. And it really showed success in the sales. And we're con- we continue to see the sales, but it doesn't take that long for the licensing industry to catch up and also get products out into the market. And so that does affect our sales volume when you continue to have more and more competition. But from a first-to-market perspective, it's a great way to really um, lean into because we can get things up a lot faster than a traditional licensee might be able to because of the on-demand 
component. And also we can quickly get some bespoke product uh, created and available. Do you think that being first to market is essential in today's environment? I I mean, essential is an interesting word. It's for to get the most sales and, you know, then I think, yes, it would be ideal. I don't think it's essential to be successful necessarily, but I would request that. <laughs> and how do you choose the products for each uh, brand that you work with? Do you have like a specific set that you offer to them or you try to adjust depending on who the customer is? How, how does it usually happen? Yeah, I think this is a great thing about us having so many big brands that we're working with because we do have a lot of great um, data around what products sell well. So first we looked at looked to that as what are our best selling products across our portfolio. And then when you're developing product for a particular IP, there's usually certain products that you want to pull in that sort of represent the IP. So if you think that home goods might do really well, then you pull some more into that space. Typically, I mean, it is sort of funny that the, you know, the mugs, the hoodies and the um, t-shirts are still tend to be on the top of the list. But I'd say there's probably 10 to 12 products from an on-demand manufacturing that we lean into. Then we look and see, is there... Are there on-air components? Like um, one other example of some success was Willie Geist has a Sunday Today show on NBC and they have a great mug that he has his fans take pictures with and they put it on social and then he features his fans with his mug and they call it mug shots. So they do that every <laughs> And it's been one of our top sellers for forever, but it's that component of an on air, you know, people feel like they're part of the, the show. And so if we have things like that, that we can layer in with our on-demand portfolio, then that's like the, the holy grail for us. A little bit of a futuristic question, if I may ask. Um, speaking about just being part of the thing that you're buying from, basically, do you feel that at some point streaming services will make use of that? I know that some gaming services already do where you can do in-game purchases, basically, but streaming services, I don't think do that a lot, do they? It's being dabbled in, I think. And I do think that's the direction things are going. You know, the, the closer we can get to where the content is and where the fans are, the better we're going to be. So we're constantly striving to make that happen. Sometimes there's more challenges than others. You know, it depends who our actual client is and who we have contact with on the network side or at the gaming side. And they might only have so much control. So I think it's just, you know, continually pushing and trying to make these things happen and having vision about how people would ideally want to shop. And we try to be on the forefront of that. And uh, do you have any products that you feel that uh, brands are sort of sleeping on? I know that obviously when you say merchandise, it's usually, as you mentioned as well, hoodies, mugs, t-shirts, but is there some sort of surprising bestsellers that you've had in your experience? Yeah, it's usually when something in particular takes off. Like it might not happen across the board. You know, personalized items can be uh, really fun. And if you hit them at the right moment, they can really take off. I think we've had tumblers before that people were able to put their name on or their gaming tag or something like that. And then if it's there for the event or the moment, then it can really hit big. But yes, there are those moments and it tends to be something that's really resonating with a particular brand that we're working with at the time. Since obviously Printful and Snowcommerce are now working together, I'm going to ask some on-demand related questions as well. In, in general, how do you operate? I assume you don't have everything on demand. You also order some products in bulk, right? 
we really, you know, try to take a little bit of a conservative approach about, you know, bringing in inventory because of course that increases our risk, but we have things that we know that are fairly safe uh, bets that because of just the history of what we've seen that sells well. We also are doing more like pre-order exclusive kinds of products that we could bring in like collectibles. Good example of that was with Xbox. There was a Master Chief Halo 20th Anniversary Funko Pop um, that we had on the shop and it was in pre-order and we sold out almost immediately. I think it was in the first day. So there's things like that that are real draws especially for these enterprise clients. They want to have those represented on their site and lean into some of their licensee goods. So, you know, we try to make sure that we have some representation of that, that we're getting people in and excited about what's in the shop. And then also having a broader assortment that might not be available, you know, in in big box retail or on other e-commerce sites, because we do have this vast on-demand network of, of products that we can lean into. Yeah, that's that explains it perfectly. Some some things make sense to order in bulk still, even if you have on-demand manufacturing. Do brands now care more about sustainability? Do they take that into consideration much more than before? Very much. It's very much a part of the conversation. I know not too long ago, we launched a collection for Minecraft that was organic and recycled materials. And they they promoted it that way. It was a mainly printful product. Um, I think maybe there was a like a Mattel uh, toy or something that we had brought in to support it as well. But it's part of the constant conversation. I think that brands are very sensitive to in this area. I think the global supply chain and localizing shipping is going to be a, a key component. I know I mentioned that earlier. Um, I think that the um, you know, consolidated shipping, if we can get there, I think we have a little ways to go, but the more we can prevent too many packages coming to the door and that kind of thing, ideally that would be on the horizon. And, you know, the reduction of of inventory waste, I think is great because we do support a lot of second tier, third tier kind of properties that aren't going to be the biggest revenue drivers, but we're able to adapt or develop product for them, which the brands really appreciate. And sometimes they do end up really taking off, but it's not something we'd be feel super secure bringing in inventory to support those. So I think that it really has helped to support the vision for the enterprise brand by being able to lean into on-demand because you can play with it a bit and try things that aren't necessarily a proven winner. But it's so nice when they do sort of end up being the winners. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And when it comes to the end customer, do you really feel that it's a global audience rather than just being focused in one market or other? I think that there really is a global audience. I think that it... You can't treat them all the same is what I'm discovering. And I still feel like I'm, you know, very much learning on this front, but it's some place that we're really leaning into. So the product offerings, the pricing, you know, how different countries feel about shipping costs, all of that are things that we're having to consider. But the brands themselves really want to support and bring product to their fandom, um, no matter where it is in the world. So I think our challenge is figuring out how we can actually execute on that and what makes sense to just from a investment into the brands and to the shop standpoint of how we go about executing on that. Do these differences in uh, in audiences also apply to how you develop your marketing plans and programs? Well, of course, like the dates that we might be thinking about, you know, there's different holidays and things in other countries. So that's one thing we try to develop calendars that are specific for the shops we run in other countries. Otherwise, from a marketing standpoint, I mean, there I think the 
paid marketing might be slightly different or how we're approaching and what is most resonates from the conversation with the the consumers there. Do you feel there are also differences product-wise or people just love the things that you put out? No, I think there is a little bit. And I think, you know, how people might use totes more in different countries or reusable water bottles. I think, you know, the U.S. is moving in the same direction as a lot of other countries are, but I think it's already there for some of them. So it, it makes sense. Um, and I think price point is another key component though, is, you know, if you're offering something too expensive or not something that's competitive in that space, then it's going to be really hard to to make the sale, even if the concept is great. So I think that's another challenge to work through. As an industry expert, what do you foresee as some of the most significant challenges and opportunities for e-commerce businesses in the future? I think that um, catching the trends as they happen. So especially as we work with these brands, and I've already described how the approvals can be a little bit time intensive and um, you know take a number of steps. If you have something, um, and I have a good example, I think on this one with um, Shot by Bravo. Bravo is a TV network and they have a lot of reality programming. And um, one of the situations with them was they'd have a show air and then the next day you'd see some phrase trending. And so we developed a um, almost a templatized look to the design that where we could put the text and we had approved blanks and things like that so that when those moments happened, we could pretty easily execute and get the product up quickly because we're using our on-demand you know, portfolio and they would already be almost pre-approved. So I think leaning into those kinds of strategies and knowing how to execute on it per client is going to be a key component to really um, hitting things when they are trends move so quickly. Now, it's like if you miss the 24 hours, you might miss the whole thing. So I think that's an area we'll continue to work on. And then, um, you know, I mentioned before about like continually trying to bring our marketing and our product as close as we can to what's actually happening. So where people are watching the product, if they're at an event, making sure our product is present there and that they're being aware that the store exists. What's your opinion on brick and mortar stores and merchandising in those? Is is that still relevant when e-commerce is taking over? I think I think brick and mortar will always be relevant. I think they'll never be able to support the breadth of product we do or the amount of IP. It'll always be focused in on really that, you know, top tier. So, you know, I know, you know, my kids are grown now, but as a, a younger mother, when I was wanting to bring product into my home to support my, what my kids were really enjoying, if you couldn't find it in a big box retailer, you were pretty much out of luck. And now I think with the way we're approaching brands, you can really find whatever it is you're looking for. You can get personalized product to help you know them represent their fandom. So you know, brick and mortar has its place, but I don't think it's going to replace what we do either. And you also mentioned that there's a lot of competition out there, especially amongst the licensees and how how do you think you can stand out in that competition? I think leaning more into truly creative design that is, and you know, we're noticing you know subtle references to brand really uh, resonate. So I think um, continuing to develop our uh, product design to recognize that to have people that are fans creating those uh, designs and products, I think that'll um, really you know make make it so that we are offering basically exclusive product continually if you have the exclusive design in your shop. Yeah. And it ties in well with what you said in the beginning that uh, you try to sort of connect 
the employees in snow commerce who potentially have a like an innate passion for that particular product. I think it's much easier to develop an amazing product if you're actually a fan of the thing that you're creating for. Right. And we do, we, since we do have, you know, over a hundred employees, we have a good community here where people really enjoy talking about the brands they're working with and reaching out to other people to get ideas. And so we really try to have a community um, around the brands and people know who to go to if they're, you know, getting stuck on an idea. They're like, oh, I know who the Uber fan is. I'll see if they <laughs> like the concept. So that's pretty great too. And it makes it for a fun, you know, fun work environment as well. Yeah, I was going to say, those must be some really great brainstorming sessions you have there. Yeah, it is. If people want to check out what Snow Commerce is doing, potentially become your customers, where should they go? Um, I'd say follow us on social, you know, um, LinkedIn or Instagram would be great. And um, you can check out our website as well. Okay. Thank you very much. And thanks for joining us today, Robin. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our conversation with Robin from Snowcomers. It was really great to chat with her about all things e-commerce, especially the stories from such great brands as HBO, Xbox, and others. So if you want to work with Snowcomers or with Printful, check us out. We're everywhere. I'm sure it's not the first time nor the last time you hear about us, so feel free to reach out to us. And don't forget to tune in to our next episode of Ideas Fulfilled by Printful Enterprise. 